Welcome to episode 13 of season 2, where it is all about navigating the post-divorce journey. Today's talk is all about emotional resilience for deaths. Israel Smith is from Sydney, Australia. Israel is a well-being and emotional resilience coach. He helps dads in business and leadership feel less stressed and overwhelmed, stop yelling and getting angry at their kids, and stop getting frustrated at trivial things. Israel had a great life, a successful business, and a family, and everything was going great, until one day it was all too much. Blades spinning out of control, and Israel realizing that he cannot cope anymore. He was diagnosed with postpartum depression. This came as a surprise, as usually women are diagnosed with that. It is because nobody is talking about it. It is not very common for men to express their emotions and be vulnerable, to be able to open up and show the weak side. Israel had the courage to speak up and find healing. Now he guides other dads through his very own Thrive Method. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and downloading this podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. Enjoy this conversation with Israel. Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. How would you like to master your mind to transform your life, overcome anxiety, trauma, doubt, and suffering to win daily and enjoy a life of confidence, peace, and freedom? This is your unique opportunity to work directly one-on-one with me in a breakthrough coaching. If you are interested, you can check out the link below and schedule your 45-minute discovery session to see if we are a fit. Hello and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest comes to us from Sydney, Australia. His name is Israel Smith and he helps dads in business and leadership feel less stressed and overwhelmed, stop yelling and getting angry at their kids, and stop getting frustrated at trivial things. His one-on-one coaching and speaking helps this man find more peace better understand their triggers and emotions and become the best parent and leader they can be. It gives me a great pleasure to have Israel here with us. Welcome. Thank you so much, Irina. It's my pleasure as well. I'm, as, as we were saying just before we hit the record button, I love having a chat. So if I can have a chat and it helps some people and we can have a bit of fun along the way, then I'm all for it. Awesome. Sounds great. So please... <laughs> Please share with us your story. How did you become to helping dads? Like who you are today? What led you onto that path? Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually, I, I mean, jumping right into it, I reached a point where I had a really successful and thriving photography studio. This is about 2010. And uh, my wife and I had been growing it for about six or seven years. We'd gotten married shortly after we started the business. We'd had a daughter and she was pregnant with our second child. And, you know, we'd, we'd gone through a bit of a, a get fit, get pregnant campaign in the lead up to that. And so I was training a lot. I'd taken on some extra photographers to grow my studio and 
And then my wife stepped out of the business. I published two photography books. It was a huge year, 2010. It was massive. Excuse me. And I reached the end of that year and the wheels fell off. I just couldn't maintain my motivation, my enthusiasm. I just felt completely like I was literally holding on by fingernails. I felt like I just didn't have anything left. And I didn't know why. I didn't know what was going on. Looking back, I can see it clear as day. I was doing a million things in a million different directions. But when I was thinking about it in the moment back then, I was just staying up late watching garbage television. I I had really broken sleep because we had a newborn child in the family. I was eating lots of the wrong foods. I was getting grumpy. I was yelling. I was really just not a very pleasant human to be around. And through the encouragement of my wife, I... (laughs) One of the other really ironic things is I kind of wanted to sort of create a bit of insulation for her. She was busy, you know, breastfeeding and looking after our new baby. I sort of separated and distanced myself from her thinking, oh, that'll actually make her life easier. That'll make it easier for her to just get on with the raising of the children. And and as it turned out, it made it worse because her partner was just gradually vanishing into this black hole. Um, Anyway, long story short, uh, my wife suggested I do a little online questionnaire about mood. Um, I came up kind of off the charts for like depression sort of symptoms, which I had no idea was even a thing at that point. And, you know, and I kind of, I cut it back to this, this one moment where I, I admitted to myself and also to my stepdad, I was having a phone conversation with him and I said, I'm just not coping. I'm just not coping. I just can't keep all the plates spinning. I'm, I'm failing as a dad. I'm failing as a husband. I want to throw my business in the rubbish. I'm just, I'm done. I can't figure it out. And then he said, you know, you've got two choices. You can either identify what the problem is and solve the problem. Or if you can't identify what the problem is, go get some help. And then that help should be able to get you on the path to solving the problem. Like, well, that's very, very simple, but very profound advice. And so began this adventure where I was diagnosed with postnatal depression or postpartum depression as a man, which is again, an unusual uh, feather in the cap of this story. And, um, and then I ended up uh, going through treatment and my wife and I had always had a very non-interventionist approach. So I really wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a case of, you know, take two tablets and call me in the morning. It was really more a case of what had led me to this point where I was just so strung out and so, so emotionally distraught and how could we resolve what the underlying issues were. And so that became a whole quest around lifestyle. How was I sleeping? How was I eating? How was I moving my body? How was I looking after my thoughts and my brain and my emotions and all of that. And it became effectively the work of the last 10 years for me to go through that process, identify what works really well for me and what doesn't. Um, In the meantime, we sold up from Sydney and we started traveling Australia and went full-time around the country for two and a half years with two young kids, which was an amazing experience. Um, We started a different business in a health industry about, you know, educating kids on better food choices and things like that for school. And then uh, about probably 18 months ago, I just got this sense that I just needed to start talking to dads. I needed to start working with men and dads, particularly who had gone through something similar to me or were in the thick of it going through something similar to me, you know, where they just weren't able to get a handle on their emotions. They just weren't able to kind of, you know, manage all of the different responsibilities and hats they had to wear as dads. So that kind of brings us up to date. I love it. 
And I think it's it's sometimes difficult because you, you look at yourself like, why am I? Because nobody is talking about it, about those things. Probably it, they're suffering in silence. They're not speaking up. They're thinking they're different. Meanwhile, <laughs> there are probably a lot of men out there like that. But it's difficult for men to express their emotions and to show, be vulnerable to be, and be able to, you know, speak about it. Absolutely. It's really fascinating too. And I have a, um, oh, my, my coach sent me a Facebook post or a story or something a couple of weeks ago. And she said, look, this is why men don't want to talk. And it was all of these memes making fun of men who were crying you know, who were upset about something, who were expressing some vulnerability, athletes, leaders, businessmen, whatever, people in very, you know, celebrity level success, not able to safely open up. And I've seen so many surveys recently where the number one thing that men are afraid of is that if they do open up, that they'll get judged, that they will be thought of as less than that they will be thought of as weak or you know incapable or a failure or you know all of these things and it's absolutely true i mean you know there's reasons why there's a stereotype that men never ask for directions when they're driving somewhere right we will refuse <laughs> point blank all the time like no no we can figure it out we're strong independent hunter gatherers we're the alphas we can work it out right we can get from the bronx to queens without a map but <laughs> Sometimes you need to ask for support. Sometimes you need to ask for help. And I can guarantee you this is where I reached. I was like, I can't see my way out of this problem. I just can't. No matter what I throw at this, I was throwing alcohol. I was throwing coffee. I was all of the stuff. If I just work longer hours, if I sleep a little bit less, if I push harder, if I do more, mm -hmm. none of that worked. None of that got me anywhere further than deeper in the hole that I was already in. And that was where I just put my hand up and I said, okay, I'm, I, I can't figure it out, you know? And, and this is a huge part of the work for me at the moment is, is really helping men understand that vulnerability is not weakness. Vulnerability is profound strength because it's in that moment where we really literally open our chest up and say, here is my fractured, broken heart. Here is all of the scar tissue. Here are all of the things that worry me and keep me up at night and cause me to withdraw from my family and my life. And I'm ready to talk about it and I'm ready to show it to the world. And in that moment, the courage that that takes is just enormous. That's the message really. Like that's anyway, I'm sorry. I, I get a bit ranty. Carry on. No, please. no, no, no. It, it's good. It's good. <laughs> just let Very it flow. <laughs> very passionate about this topic as you can tell yes so tell us what is the secret sauce what is that i heard uh, we talked previously you have a thrive methodology that you put together mm. that help men become better better leaders absolutely so share with us what are some of the major components of that Right. So, so I, I will put a big disclaimer at the front of this to say, this is not the silver bullet solution that will fix everybody's problems. But what I do try is to look at what works for most people most of the time. You know, what are some very fundamental things that we need as humans at a, at a either genetic, biological sort of level, right? Like what are the things that all of us require, men, women, non-binary, what have you? Mm -hmm. And there's seven things because, you know, seven's the magic number when it comes to transformation and inner work. And, 
And uh, and I say that tongue in cheek for the people that aren't watching that are listening. I've got a big grin that's being quite cheeky on my face at the moment because this is really, it's just a laugh. But the things that I've discovered massively helped me that I've now tested and worked on with all of my clients that have really helped them. It starts by just getting back to basics. Number one, good sleep. Yeah. Good sleep. You know, we're not robots. We're not machines. We biologically need between seven to nine hours. Countless studies have shown this. There's some extra nuances to that. The earlier in the evening, most of the time, the better. I mean, there are definitely people whose energy runs very differently. Their rhythm runs differently. They stay up till three in the morning. They sleep till midday. Great. But generally speaking, uh, my psychologist gave me this tip. She said, every hour of sleep you get before midnight is worth two hours of sleep after midnight. I was like, wow. So, you know, get to bed early. Yes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, and then good food is number two. So making sure that we're fueling our machinery of our body as well as we can, because it makes sense that if you were to put, you know, like dirty dishwater into your amazing Ferrari vehicle, it would not operate as a peak performance machine. And our bodies are highly evolved as peak performance machines. You know, we are meant to be able to withstand incredible uh, challenge and, and discomfort and still thrive through that. And it requires good fuel. It requires the right fuel for our body. So, you know, minimize the processed foods or eliminate the processed foods, eat real stuff, whole foods, lean proteins, you know, good quality, fresh produce, all that kind of stuff. Um, mindfulness, taking care of the thing on top of our shoulders, looking after our brain, our thoughts, you know, it helps us you know, there's this beautiful quote that I love by um, Viktor Frankl from uh, the, the, the gentleman who wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. He was a, a Holocaust survivor. He came out of one of the concentration camps. And his, his quote is, between stimulus and response, there is a gap. And it is in that gap that lies our freedom and our ability to choose or something to that effect. I've probably mashed that quote. But the general idea is, what separates us from animals is our ability to create that response gap where something happens. We don't instantly go into reaction. We can pause and that mindful activity helps us pause. So when the kids are going crazy and pushing all of our buttons, we have that ability to create that gap and go, hang on a minute. <laughs> I get to choose what I say next. I get to choose whether I go off and scream and yell, or if I just breathe and take a minute and then address it peacefully. And we all know in our heart as parents, Honestly, our kids respond far better when we are peaceful. They don't respond well to yelling. Everyone just gets more upset, right? So, so mindfulness is a massive piece of that. And it just also helps quiet the chatterboxing, you know, in our heads. Um, I make a strong practice of gratitude, you know, to be able to really look at all of the things in our lives that are incredible and abundant. I mean, if you're one of the people fortunate enough to be listening to this podcast on a handheld device of some sort, then you're automatically in the top percentage of the world's richness and abundance. So, you know, simple things like that to be, to be able to say, you know, I have, I have a roof over my head. I, I have eaten today. I have, I'm alive. I have breath in my lungs. You know, there's so much to be grateful for all the time. And that's a huge piece of it. Um, movement, you know, our bodies are made to move. We need to exercise. We need to get the endorphin rush. We need to, move our muscles and our physiology. It's really, really important to help us process and express emotions as well. You know, one of the things that we can do, particularly as men, particularly when we get caught in fight or flight, a lot of us uh, 
default into the fight mode, get angry, yell, combat, conflict. You know, that's that's our default for a lot of blokes. And those emotions often charge up our body. We end up getting hot and tight and tingly and and ready to, you know, go a few rounds with the proverbial saber-toothed tiger. So it's important. It's important that we move our body to process those things and to help our emotions move through us so we don't carry it over and cause harm to people we love. Uh, connection, like what you and I are doing now, Arena, we are hardwired for connection. So many people have spoken and written about this. There's countless studies, again, to support this, that human beings are social animals. So living in our own home, connecting to people through screens, not seeing people in the flesh, basically everything we've done for the past two years of the pandemic, not great for our ability to thrive. We need to be in the presence of other humans, socially, physically interacting, because there's so many little micro cues of body language. There's, you know, there's pheromones, there's endorphins, there's all these beautiful hormones and things that help keep us happy and strong and emotionally regulated when we are in connection with other humans. And then finally, the piece I love the most is brave conversations. And, and this comes back to the piece I spoke a little earlier about where vulnerability is strength. There's, there's a beautiful quote in the film, We Bought a Zoo with Matt Damon. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's about this family where, you know, there's, there's the dad and there's a couple of kids and the wife has sadly passed away, um, but they decide to just do something absolutely absurd and buy a zoo. Right. So, you know, so they're dealing with how to feed the lion and how to kind of look after the elephants and all of this sort of stuff. And there's a whole story arc around it. However, one of the most beautiful things in that film for me is, is where Matt Damon's character says, if you can be brave for just 20 seconds, just put all of your fear aside and just be brave and act for 20 seconds amazing things will happen. And he recounts the story of where he first met the kid's mum, you know, and it was just this, he was outside a cafe and he saw her through the window and he's just gone, okay, 20 seconds, 20 seconds, you know, and he just took this brave action, went in, struck up a conversation and then bingo, they're in love and they have a family and all of that, you know, and, and Hollywood and whatever. But, but the idea that we just need that little impetus just to be brave, just for a, like not even a minute, just half a minute. Like my phone call with my stepdad where I admitted in that moment, I'm not coping. And it was like the floodgates opened. And then I was free and able to tell him all of the things. So that bravery in our conversation, when we really get to tap into what's truly happening for us, especially as men between, you know, one man to another, that bravery, my personal experience, and this has been borne out over and over again, is that when we are willing to be brave and open up, it invites the other person to share that courage and to open up themselves. And I literally just had a conversation with one of my friends in my local community who I've noticed has been struggling. And I reached out and I said, dude, here's what I've been noticing. And it's reminding me of when I've been going through stuff myself, I just want you to know it's okay. And I'm here for you and we can talk. And he just came back. He didn't know what to say. He was so grateful that he just didn't even expect that someone would pick up on it or be willing to extend that that opportunity to share, you know, and, and those little moments between humans are really what helps us grow and helps us improve who we are. I love your Thrive methodology and I can totally, totally relate because I have my own in my happiness. <laughs> I have a happiness academy and it's all about linking together your body, mind and soul, physical, mental, emotional and spiritual 
And I do have most of the components that you share, except the brave conversations I'm missing and the connection Well, connection. I have uh, surround yourself with people who you want to be like. So I think we're kind of on the same path there, but brave conversations, I think so, so important. And just like you mentioned, you know, when you share something, the other person would feel uh, at peace sharing as well, because they're not going to be so uh, closed up. Once you right. show them the model, like I, you can you can share with me, you can feel safe. I'm here for you, with you. I'm not going to go talk to the world about it. It's just our personal heart-to-heart -heart connection creates that momentum, creates that opportunity for the other person to learn and to share. And kudos for, to you, you know, for finding it within yourself, you know, speaking to your stepdad and sharing your story and, you know, and let it, letting you. it be led you to who you are today. And uh, now you're able to share what was your pain. Now you can uh, make it, uh, how you call it? I think, uh, I don't know where I heard it, but your pain could be a story in someone else's survival guide, a page in someone else's mm. survival guide. And I think this is what you're doing. So I applaud you for your work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Irina. Thank you. If you had an opportunity to go back in the past, would you do anything differently? Wow. You know, it's funny. I spoke to my father about this before he died. And, and one of the things that he said, which I think I kind of resonate with, is that I wouldn't hurt the people I love as much as I have. But it's one of those double-edged things or a catch-22, right? Because if I didn't make the mistakes that I'd made, I wouldn't have learned the lessons I needed to learn. So truthfully, I think I probably wouldn't have done anything differently. I think I'm, I'm actually... I'm at a place where I'm able to say quite comfortably that every choice I've made has been the best one at the time. And I've made plenty of mistakes. You know, if only I'd invested in Bitcoin back when I first heard about it in 2013, you know, um, <laughs> right. So I've made plenty of mistakes, but the bottom line is for me, um, every step on this path has led me to where I am now. And I love where I am now. Hey, don't get me wrong. I still screw up. I had a really bad weekend where I was just blown out with the depression all over again. And it's the first time I felt that way in probably a year or more. But, but I look at that and I go, okay, well, what's led to that? How do I, you know, how do I have the brave conversations with myself and with my family about that? How do I clean up the messes that I made and how do I keep working on these practices and these methods to improve my ability to be resilient and my ability to overcome. So I feel like, yeah, I would, I would do nothing differently, really. Would you spoken up sooner, would you say? Or had that conversation sooner? I don't know if I would have been able to. I don't think I was ready to. Okay. It's one of those things. Because back then, like we're talking 2010, 2011, mm -hmm the level of conversation around mental health and mental illness back then was a fraction of what it is today. You know, the last 10 years, I've just watched more and more people speak out more and more people in, in media, in positions of celebrity, in positions of power, you know, talk about their own journey with mental health, their own journey with say depression, bipolar, suicide attempts, whatever it happens to be like, there's been some pretty heavy conversations come up in the media, 
um, sports people taking time away from like a championship level sport because they're just not coping mentally. I think I didn't have any model back then. I tell people that I speak to 100% get help early talk about it fast, you know, like be, be brave to, if you feel like something's not quite right, be brave enough to start that conversation as early as you can, but it's a different context now. So I think I, I would, if I, if I had today's environment back then, yeah, I would absolutely have spoken up earlier. <laughs> yes. Yeah. As they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Sure. And, and, you know, that whole thing of like the hero's journey, you know, I'm not sure how familiar you are with that, but, but you have to go into the cave. You have to, you have to go through the long dark night of the soul sometimes to find the point at which you go, okay, I don't want it to get any worse than this. I'm ready to change now. <laughs> and I wasn't ready up until that phone call. My wife had said to me, you can't talk to me. I don't know why I want to talk to you about this, but you're just not able to talk to me about this. You need to talk to someone. And, and it was at that point, I think where I realized Oh, that's one of the fundamental pillars of our relationship is the ability to really communicate well. And, and that's, you know, and, and I recognize this is a single parent podcast. I'm talking a lot about my wife and how happily married we are. So I know that that's a bit discordant for your listeners, but, but I think even with people that are close to us, where we have someone that we can count on in our corner, like a really dear friend or a parent or, a, you know, what have you, like, then that's a that's a positive thank you if uh what kind of advice can you share with single parents single dads probably the biggest piece of advice i would offer is and i'm it's actually it's to do the work on your own self-worth and your own self-value you know, and, and that's a really fluffy thing to say. And I sort of, and I want to kind of just <laughs> clarify that a little bit. Like, oh, it's just really important that you love yourself. Okay. So, you know, off you go, go give yourself a hug. What I really mean is when we think about how we treat our children, how much we love them, we honor them, we hug them, we cherish them, we, we forgive them for their mistakes. We give them compassion and grace we need to turn that same set of behaviors back toward ourselves. And for single dads, you know, you're, you're going to be the rock holding the family unit together. You know, you're raising kids, working a job, probably finding it difficult to keep all of the plates spinning. The single biggest piece that I've learned is the more I prioritize my own well-being and my own, you know, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, kindness and love to myself the more that becomes a priority the better able i am to look after my kids the better able i am to look after my job so to me i think that's where it starts i think we, we really need to build a culture as men of it's okay to look after ourselves it's okay to prioritize our well-being particularly our emotional and our mental and spiritual well-being you know physical there's heaps of guys with big muscles going get fit lift iron you know all this sort of stuff and i don't I'm not that kind of guy, right? But but I totally respect that that's that's a very typical masculine thing. But 
the softer things, you know, the ability to have these deep and meaningful conversations, the ability to share what's really on our hearts, I think is very important. Thank you. Thank you. I love this. What do you want to be remembered by? Oh, my dashing good looks. No, I'm just joking. Um, I, <laughs> I want to be, I want to be remembered as somebody who started more conversations around the importance of men demonstrating self-love and being more emotionally literate. I really feel like if, if as, you know, I, I come back to this, this idea, at the moment, men are winning all of the wrong contests. You know, we're winning in the like three to one more likely to take our own lives through suicide. We are far ahead of the game when it comes to um, violence perpetrated against intimate partners in a domestic setting. You know, we're also the people in charge of a lot of the big powerful entities of the world, be they government or corporate or social. And I don't want to shame us as men, but we can do better. We can do better, you know? So I want to be remembered for deepening that conversation about what does it look like for us to do better with the positions of power and responsibility that we hold yes thank you yeah i think men should be more open i mean it's difficult but i think we can all get there i think so too it sounds like you're having lots of fun of your own at your end tonight <laughs> so I can jump ahead. I remember you were going to ask me, what am I excited about? What am I currently working on? So to, to save the background noise at your end. So I'll just dive into that bit. What I'm excited about is a few things, actually. I'm starting a, a little chapter of a very small not-for-profit in my local area where we're going to do regular men's meetups. And they're just going to be like a you know, a breakfast on a Sunday morning followed by a walk just for men where we can just connect and just start to lower the barriers, build a slightly deeper, more vulnerable environment where it's safe to share and to talk. And ultimately, I want to be able to build that to something where we run workshops for men about things like breath work and journaling and meditation and, you know, self-forgiveness and healing and all that kind of stuff. So I'm very excited about that. That's brand new. That's literally a just because I want to do something positive in my local community and where I live, I'm actually, um, I'm actually about halfway between Sydney and Brisbane on the East coast. It's a very small town and our, our sort of local government area is I think about fourth lowest in the state, as far as levels of, you know, economic advantage and social issues and things like that. So we've got a lot of work to do in our local region. So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about the work I do with my clients and I'm keen to grow my reach and impact there as well. I absolutely love supporting the men that I work with. And, you know, one of the guys that I've worked with over the last seven or eight months has gone from being kicked out of his home with his wife and two kids that she basically said, you need to leave and you need to sort your own stuff out. He took three months out, started working with me during that time has turned around his life, his relationship. He's back at home. He's got a better relationship with his kids. His work is a completely different thing. He has boundaries in place, like all of these things. And it just lifts my heart so much to see him take charge and have the tools to do better. So they're the big things I'm excited about. I love it. I love that, you know, you're gonna, the Sunday uh, workshops for men, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I'm thinking of doing some of that for women too. You get just yeah, gave me look, an idea. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll pass on the details. It's a beautiful little organization out of a, a town called Port Macquarie in Australia, and it's called Self Seen, and it stands for Self-Empowered Love Framework, Self, mm-hmm. solves every, or sorry, secures every essential need seen. So really about self-love and having a framework of looking after ourselves gives us everything we need in life. So it's beautiful. So self-seen. So I'll pass on the details after this and you can you can take a look because they do also have women's meetups as well. So there may be a framework that you can adopt for your area in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. If people would like to... Oh, one more question, actually. Ah. What do you think is the most important trait to instill in a child? Oh, wow. There's so many. When I look at the traits that I wish I had developed earlier and the ones that I see my children developing now that I think are the ones that make the biggest difference. I really feel like it's, it's emotional resilience. It's the ability to, to identify and articulate when we're feeling some emotion and then to be able to use that, I guess, like that vocabulary to either help ourselves process our way through the emotion or learn what it feels like to sit with the discomfort of that emotion and then be able to support our own selves to sort of regulate and come back to neutral. Does that make sense? I feel like that, that toolkit, that ability to, to, yeah, to really identify, articulate process and then resolve our own emotional experiences. So many people in the world are literally two and three years old throwing tantrums emotionally because they just don't have the literacy. It's like they're trying to read war and peace and they can't even read, you know, spot the dog. And, and that is a problem, right? Because um, as some of your listeners and you may be aware, like the most recent book by Brené Brown called Atlas of the Heart in that she talks about how our language doesn't just describe our experience. It shapes our experience. So if we don't have language around our emotions, we can't appropriately and accurately deal with our emotions, you know, and, and over this enormous survey, most people can say, I feel happy. I feel sad. I feel angry or mad or something like that. Like they're the three baseline emotions people can identify in the moment. But if we were able to expand that and go, well, actually I'm feeling a bit anxious. I'm, I'm perhaps jealous of this other person. I'm, feeling like grieving all of the lost opportunities because of what the pandemic has done to my, my life or my career or what have you, like all these different nuanced emotions without the ability to truly articulate those in detail, we will never be able to fully process and move through them. So that toolkit, emotional resilience and literacy. Yep. Definitely my number one got there in the end, took a while to articulate. I love it. I think it's so, so important because often as adults, when kids throw the tantrum, we say, oh, like, don't worry about it. It's okay. We don't uh, describe our feelings. We just want them to be quiet. We just want right. them to kind of go away. So we don't model that behavior ourselves. So it's, of course, it's difficult for them to uh, interpret. But I love my son. If he is hurt or sad, he always going to tell you, like, you hurt my feelings or like how right. you make him feel. He's very expressive in that regard. You That's will always right. know what's going on. You don't have to guess. And right. I didn't like, teach him that. <laughs> so. But see, it's beautiful that he has that intrinsically, right? Like, and yeah. I mean, 
because the thing is it's very uncomfortable for us when we're not conditioned or we're not kind of brought up in an environment where emotions are safe to express or where we get used to feeling a little uncomfortable it's really really awkward it feels very strange like this morning i was mentioning to you my daughter found out that she was cut from the representative uh, netball team and she was devastated because because of her age and the girls that she's gone through school with, this was the one opportunity she had to play in a rep team with her closest girlfriends and they made the cut and she didn't. And so the problem there is now she's missed that opportunity to play reps with her girlfriends. She's, you know, and she was in tears, inconsolable for most of this morning, getting ready for school. And, and that hurts. That feels uncomfortable as a parent to see your child in such distress. But instead of saying, oh, don't cry, it's okay, which immediately invalidates what she's feeling. It takes away any sense that she's allowed to express that. We just hold her and we say, I get it, it's tough. It's, you know, I, can, I, I understand how much this meant to you and I understand that this is really disappointing. And then from that place where you sort of meet them where they are and acknowledge the emotion, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm letting her have the courtesy or the, the space to go through it at her time at, in her way because she is very different to me, very, very similar to me in a lot of respects, but emotionally very, very different. She tends to keep most of it close to her chest, whereas I'm basically an open book. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, we need to let our kids experience the things that hurt them and that feel uncomfortable as parents. And in that way, we're teaching them that, they can find their own path through discomfort. That's one of the building blocks of that resilience I was talking about. So she will learn from this and she'll go, yeah, that felt really terrible. I don't want to feel that again. What do I need to do next time? Maybe I need to train harder. Maybe I need to practice a little earlier. Maybe I need to not set such a high expectation and just take it as it comes. Because as you probably know, disappointment only comes from unmet expectations. So, you know, there's, there's so many lessons. We could spend another hour talking about that, I'm sure. But but I, I get it, you know, and it's brilliant that your son has that ability to really tap into what's going on for him and is quite happy to communicate it. So honor that. Yes. And I love it. I think, yeah, resilience is very, very important. And we should all strive to show it to our kids that no and, matter and what to ourselves. Happens, yeah, we, we can. We can figure it out, but we can sit with those emotions because all the emotions want to do is they want to be felt and accepted, and then they would be let go. Right. If people would like would like to learn more about you, where would they go? The easiest place is to my website, which is israelsmith.com. So it's I-S-R-A-E-L-S-M-I-T-H.com. There's links there to all of my stuff, to my podcast, to my writing, to my social media channels. It's all there. That's the easiest single spot. And I also uh, publish a regular email newsletter where, you know, because everyone's social media feeds are like impossible to try and keep up with, right? We always miss about 99% of everything that gets posted. But but if people are really keen to hear more and they want to stay in touch, um, yeah, they can jump on an email newsletter and then just get me direct to their inbox where they'll see my smiley face turn up at least every week or two. And tell them what's going on in my world. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. And thank you for sharing your advice. And 
the work that you are doing is very important, you know, letting men open up about the stuff they don't want to share. I think it's very important to get in touch with our feelings, with our emotions, to control our anger. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your advice. I really appreciate having you. It's been my pleasure, Arena. Thanks for having me. And to all of the parents listening, mums and dads, uh, I just want you to know that you're doing great. And we, you know, we're all just doing our best. So just make sure that you don't beat yourself up about that. You are literally doing your best with what you've got available. And things like Arena's podcast are a great way to just improve our own toolkit. So thanks for being here. Thank you. If you like this episode, please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, Mindset, and Support for Relationships, where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you because you are limitless.